Hey guys, hey ladies, hey friends, hey foes. We just wanted to take a second to remind you that while we're okay swearing when little ears are listening, you might not be, and that's okay. So here's your chance to pause us and wait for nap time, or pop in your earbuds. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Done Playing by the Rules. My name is Janelle. And I'm Jenna. And I hold all the power today because I'm recording on my computer. So if Jenna gets a little bit surly, I'm just going to delete her out of this conversation. I've never had all the power of recording before. This is just like a lot for me. (laughs) Yep. Thank the Lord this isn't our job job because I think we'd be fired. Although we put in the hours because it's ridiculous. IT stuff, when computers just don't act how they're supposed to, it pisses me off more than anything, especially when they're so slow. You know, And they're good computers, like not to brag, but like we both have Mm -hmm. nice computers and we paid money for them and uh, then they just like shit the bed. Yep. It's that's why Josh fun. won't fuck so. with Mac. He says that Mac is just like, and I'm like, okay, Android. Josh and I've been Android and Mac fighting already this morning. So I digress. But they don't make computers. Tell him that. Yes, they right? do. Android. All computers that aren't Macs are Androids, aren't they? I thought they, but, well, it's called a PC, right? I don't know. Well, yeah, but like that's under the umbrella of like okay. whatever gotcha, that gotcha. is. Whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Like the but kids we don't have viruses to deal with on Macs. True, which I would have so okay. many viruses. Yes. Okay. Now back mm-hmm. to our topic at hand. Janelle spent Janelle's husband was out of town. Let's Janelle's gonna speak in the third person. I think at you all I think you can say I. <laughs> Janelle is confused because she's not recording and the power shift has really thrown her for a loop. Um, my husband has been out of town and so I spent a lot of time TikToking and something went viral on TikTok that really spoke to me and then I went deeper and read the article and then we've just like kind of gone down this rabbit hole where then Jenna's reading the comments about the article and then I'm ordering the book about the article and so I think that this is something that's kind of in everyone's like sphere of knowledge right now mom wise or mom TikTok wise. I had never heard of this because I think TikTok has that like algorithm thing Mm -hmm. and I look at very specific stuff on TikTok Um, cannabis but it'll be interesting (laughs) no it's mostly like I've gotten really into morticians and I don't know I know I know I know it's kind of cool and then like the opposite end of baby chicks hatching so that's like all my tiktok it's kind of I am bright red from laughter right now I can't I'm blushing for you yeah the mortician stuff is good. Like, okay, I, I can get that. If you're I into that. With that. Did you know that that's a, uh, I digress again, uh, hyperfixation on random topics is a symptom of ADHD, just FYI. Would you see that orb that just oh. behind me? Speaking of ADHD. Yeah, that was weird. Ooh. Yeah. Anyways, um, so um, you didn't see it because so I this had... article just came out on like the end of April. Oh, okay. So you're yeah. not behind. TikTok also, I don't think knows that I'm a mom because I don't do mom stuff but it would make sense the first time you sent it to me I actually got a stomach ache reading it which we'll get into very relatable in my opinion and again this is going to be a topic that some people find completely relatable and some people are like 
never thought about it, don't have any interest in it, which were some of the criticisms of the article, but we thought it was interesting. But it's also, I was talking with a girlfriend that doesn't have kids that has a successful um, esthetician business in New York City. So like she couldn't, she's couldn't be more far removed from us. And she and I were talking about, you know, weighing the pros and cons of motherhood. And I said to her, like, it's rad. I think my kids are the coolest, but you better be ready to either outsource a ton of the work or annihilate yourself as a human, which is what this article talks about. So you are either all hands on deck and you lose yourself completely, which is what I've been doing for the last eight years, or you outsource. And if you don't have the finances to outsource, then it's just, it's this weird dichotomy that you really have to weigh both ends of. So this is also interesting to people that don't have kids. If you're not sure you want to give up your entire self, what do you want to outsource and how much of that parenting burden are you willing to shift and know that you're just going to still be parenting as much as I am, but just with a little bit of extra help stepping in here and there. I have another viewpoint from what I kind of got from it was I feel like I found myself in motherhood. (sighs) So I felt very lost and I felt very lost in the early days of motherhood. But now I really feel like I have found myself, but also being a mom saved my life, which we can get into more. Yeah, I kind of took it from the perspective of the heroic journey and like finding yourself along the way. As a lot of listeners know, like during early becoming while becoming a mother, I lost my mother and my father. And so I did feel very lost. And I don't know if I would be on the same journey if that didn't happen. But like with any big shift in your life, I think that you have these moments where you do feel like you've lost yourself or you're finding yourself. So when I lost my mom, I felt like I was losing myself. When I was teaching and was unhappy in my career, I felt like I was losing myself. And finally in the last probably like three or four years, I feel like I've really found myself. So I, feel I like totally agree. Even since depends. I've met you, which what year did we meet? 2019. You have become yeah, it's been a while. so much more <laughs> flourished and open in who you are as a mom. I still remember when I met you, I was like, she's a little unsure of a couple things she's doing. Or you would like, you were super into hand sanitizer before it was hip. And then you would like be embarrassed that you were hand sanitizing your kids before they touched the car <laughs> and you'd apologize for it. And I was like, who fucking cares if that's your, yeah. if that's your kink, hand sanitize away. And you, you now like own all of your stuff a lot more. And so right. I do think that you have found yourself and I think that that's an interesting point of it too, is that journey of losing a parent or parents plays into this a lot Mm -hmm. because my kids were what kept me alive during the loss of my dad. And then now that I'm kind of out of like the deep trenches of grief, now I feel like I'm ready to kind of shed that like life jacket and become myself again. And so I have like this super strong urge to outsource and start doing things for mm-hmm. myself. And I think moms, yeah. I don't even want to say moms, dad, same-sex couples, grandparents, primary caregivers have to choose, lose yourself completely, outsource, or find a happy medium. And I think that medium keeps shifting all the time. But I'm going to share the TikTok I originally sent Jenna that started kind of making this article go viral. But it is based on an excerpt from a book called I'll Show Myself Out by Jesse Klein. And so it went viral in this mom reading this article from thecut.com. And the mom was saying how much she related to it and she was crying. 
And then I sent Jenna the article and the article made me cry for two separate reasons, just like a little, like not a real cry, a fake cry, just like a a misty Um, for two separate reasons, because it really makes your own mom feel human, which is something that I struggle with because my mom and I have a strained relationship. But this article really opened my eyes to like, oh, she was me. 30 years ago and doing her best, which is hard to swallow when you have a strained relationship with your mother. And I'm sure it spoke to you in looking at your mom, who you had a wonderful relationship with, but is no longer here. It really humanizes them, but it also really speaks to women in terms of, okay, so let's just get into it. The author, Jesse Klein, is running mundane errands. I'm not going to go page by page to the article, but I'm going to like, there's a few chunks I have to read because they are so goddamn good. And if you don't have time to read an article, like all moms don't, I don't have time. It took me five days to read this like four page article and I had to like read it while I was waiting in line at Starbucks today to finish it. Right. And it's from... Real quick, it's from The Cut. It's from thecut.com. I'll show myself out. It's a book excerpt by Jesse Klein. And we found it on thecut.com. And that is where the woman that did the TikTok, who we will share on the Dumb Playing by the Rules page, found it. And The Cut is awesome, but it's like a dollar every two months or something. But I read it because I like the fashion and celebrity anyways. It's from the New York Times. The author is running mundane mom tasks. Oh my God, I ran out of... Remember when you used to like run out of pouches and have to run the target immediately? She's listening to um, Super Souls podcast by Oprah and Elizabeth Gilbert is on who is the author of Eat Pray Love yada 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 we don't need to talk about Eat Pray Love you've either loved it or you hated it it's over it was it came out in like 2001 I'm guessing so anyways Gilbert goes on and starts talking about the archetypal hero's journey and how throughout history of literature the hero's journey has been represented as specifically a man's journey to a faraway place There he conquers or fights some person or army or thing. So I thought of The Hobbit because that's Zach's favorite book. And The Hobbit goes off and goes on these big wild adventures. He's a man and there's no really mention of women in this story. And so it goes on to say he goes on, he fights some person, some armies. He saves so many lives. Well, all the women, mothers, wives, and girlfriends, daughters all stay home. They are cooking and cleaning or weeping or Pinteresting, which I love. And while he is out slaying, defending, and generally being courageous. As I waited in the checkout line, Gilbert started talking about how we needed to reconceive our vision of the hero's journey. The hero's journey is not the exclusive territory of men, she said, and it does not have to involve faraway lands. I paused the podcast as I swiped my card to pay. These words, hero's journey, kept echoing in her head, so she looked up, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey and start went down a rabbit hole like Jenna and I love to do. Yep. Are you ready to hear about the hero's journey? I am. Let's hear about it. So Campbell's concept of the journey begins with a potential hero who is going about his life as normal, you know, texting, taking antidepressants, whatever. He receives a call to adventure to a place that Campbell describes as a forest, a kingdom, an underground, beneath the waves or above the sky, a secret island. Da, 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 da. Reading this, centri- this sentence gave me the same adrenaline-filled feel- feeling you get when you are almost certain but not quite positive you're feeling an earthquake. You freeze, your whole body listens. In this moment of silent anticipation for the first time since my son was born, having spent each day since feeling invisible to the mainstream world, 
over the hill, like a Swiffer on legs, wiping his nose with my hand and not having sex and generally functioning as kind of an automated milk and comfort dispensing machine, I began to entertain a thought. Is it possible I have been on a hero's journey this whole time? Is it possible that I am on one right now? One of the things that I didn't touch on were the parts of the hero's journey that he talks about. What she says is what shook her about Campbell's words is how perfectly they can describe motherhood. So Campbell goes on to list up these like 15 points of what a hero's journey is and what it needs to entail. Mm -hmm. A lot of those are a profound dream state, this new strangely fluid and polymorphous being, i.e. your baby, also profound dream state, like what is a better way to place early motherhood, Right. unimaginable torment, sorry, but being a mom, something we're not supposed to talk about is it is unimaginable torment at points. I remember nursing through Mm -hmm. bleeding nipples and exhaustion and my dad in the hospital and not being able to go to the hospital because I have a baby and it is at points unimaginable torture I would rather Mm -hmm. get my lips re-blushed and I have said that was worse than labor Jenna would rather give labor unmedicated because she's that type (laughs) Um, no it was I mean I think having an unmedicated childbirth there was a lot of adrenaline and euphoric feeling with that but some of the early stages of motherhood you don't get that and like especially if you have a colicky or a fussy baby you're bleeding they're crying they're screaming you're giving them everything I nursed because everyone told me I should and I'm gonna have some haters but my body was not equipped to nurse and I tried you name it I tried it and I was still continuing to bleed so now I'm bleeding and my child is vomiting blood and starving. Yes. So there wasn't that euphoric feeling after it was just complete suck dry, crying, trying to do your best and not getting anywhere. <laughs> I can like feel it in my uterus as you say this, like just the horrible like after cramps of trying to nurse and you're dry. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Unimaginable torment is an understatement. So leave mm-hmm. it there. Superhuman deed, steadfastly caring for and feeding your child, not giving into the temptation to flee the entire time. I think that is a superhuman deed. And I'll come back to that. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was say, that was the first one that got me. The sentence I know. that said, and not giving in to the temptation to flee the entire situation. And there are some moms that have had a blissful infancy period with their child and toddlerhood, Mm -hmm. if you haven't struggled, then that might not speak to you. And that's perfectly fine and perfectly normal. But as a mom who struggled, that gave me goosebumps because I felt seen. Mm -hmm. And unless you've been in that situation where you are tempted to flee, I don't think you fully understand how heroic it is actually to stay and how hard I it is to stay. I could not agree more. I got goosebumps. I have goosebumps even now, like rethink, yes. like setting the baby, and it talks about this again in the article, setting the baby down in the crib and walking out of the room and not leaving the house and never coming back. It is not until you have a child that you understand why moms just leave sometimes and don't come exactly. back. Mm-hmm. It is so on the tip of your tongue at all times that there is something very heroic about just fucking staying. Yes. And even, I love my husband to death, but even when things were tough, I had these awful reoccurring thoughts that if I just took my child and left and escaped, everything would be okay. 
mm-hmm. because I was dealing with postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. My husband and I were in a really rocky situation. My parents are both dying. And so I thought if I took my child and I went to the beach and bought a little beach house and basically raised my child, just the two of us, everything would be okay. And the fact that I didn't do that, because let's face it, that was not best for my child or myself. And Mm -hmm. I didn't even have a job. So like, what the fuck am I going to do? But the fact that I stayed and like these thoughts were in my head and I'm alone with this baby all the time. All the time. And I mean, I'm grateful I stayed. I could not agree more. And I had that same thing. Uh, I had a prenatal depression or whatever it is when you're pregnant. And I was Mm going to divorce my husband and leave and just raise the baby by myself. And he, I didn't have a job. And I was, I like, it's this weird fight or flight that kicks in and for some reason you stay and the juxtaposition between the man's journey being outside of the world of the house and our hero's journey being just staying as a mother I think is something that isn't really explored and so a big part of this is because we don't talk about motherhood because it's cringy like no one wants to talk about being a mom. And the article goes on to talk about like, what what do you feel when you hear mommy blogger? And mm-hmm. I, as soon as I hear mommy blogger, or I don't even like to say mommy makeover, which we'll do the uh, plastic surgery episode right around this. Anything that has mommy before it is cringy. Because the article says, when we think about a mommy, we think about that boring woman in Dockers from detergent commercials. And so it instantly brings you this like, ugh, because our own mothers were seen as saints and Mm -hmm. they had no other dimensions other than being saintly for a lot of people. And all we thought about was we were safe on their laps and we were loved and we were cared for and There's no way they had a life going on outside of being our mom. Right. Like that was a big eye-opening part for me. So they say, we talked about the mommy blog. The author says, Jesse Klein, we think this about quote unquote mommy because we live in a world where the majority of mothers we see on television usually pop up in detergent commercials. I've been realizing that the reason why writing this recently has been such a heavy lift and why it's led to so many afternoons of sitting and staring that look terrifyingly like doing nothing is for this very reason. I have been paralyzed by the internalized fear of writing about being a mother. I have desperately scrambled for something, anything else to write about. And please believe me, no one wishes more than I do that I could write about something exciting. Yeah. Like, do you not wish more than anything that you could just like, even when we come on to record, this happens to us where we'll be like, we can't do another mom episode. Being a mom, we can't mm-hmm. do another mom episode. We need to talk about something juicy. Like this is right. basically a, mo- a yeah. primary parent podcast, but we even get cringed out on mom topics. Yeah. So I completely well, and relate I've to even that. gotten it. I've even gotten it with. I've experienced some shame, embarrassment about when people are like, "Oh, well, what do you do?" Oh, same. Just sit in my house and all day. I've had people say, "Well, what do you do all day?" Mm. I've had. People ask me, how is that fulfilling? And I've learned to embrace it and say, Mm -hmm. and not try to defend it. And just, this is the path that I have chosen. And I am very content right now. If actually I'm very happy, there are moments of overwhelm Mm -hmm. and it's not perfect, but that's with every job pretty much. And literally, yeah, yeah, it's anything with like the mom title. 
right? It is. Kind it's of look what down do you, on it. What do you do all day? And what do you da, 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 da. and I notice even when I on Wednesdays I have four hours of alone time, which prior to our summer nanny share was the only four hours a week I was guaranteed to myself. And mm-hmm. I go to pure bar and then I get acupuncture and I was like dude this is so cringy like I'm just gonna go to pure bar and acupuncture because I'm just one of those ladies that sits but like literally the however many hours are in a week four of them are for me the rest is for my husband my kids my house someone came over the other day and was like you don't have a cleaning lady you clean your own house and I was like I mean I've had intermittent cleaning ladies but like right now it's it's me I got I'm ordering toilet wands I'm plunging these kids toilets I'm wiping butt I am on morning till night and when my kids go to bed then guess who wants attention the other one Mm -hmm. and like it is not the other one one needs something from me (laughs) but I was like oh even just like when I posted on Instagram like oh I went to bar and acupuncture today because today's Wednesday I was like that is so fucking like ladies who lunch like mom that can't fill up her day but like I'm going to acupuncture for a medically necessary reason. I have extreme vertigo right. that limits my ability to drive and it has cured it. I'm going to yeah. pure bar because I need to move my body and it is the most friendly to my vertigo right now. Like, but we have to justify yeah. it because we're stay at home moms. I, my working mom exactly. friends don't have to justify going to the gym or going to acupuncture. I do. It's nope. bananas. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to finish. Here's another huge chunk of me reading. So just bear with me. But this is so fucking important. And if you want to start crying, get ready, get your Kleenex out. I know. Breath. The truth is that motherhood is a hero's journey. For most of us, it's not the journey outward to the most fantastic and farthest flung places, but inward, downward to the deepest parts of your strength, to the innermost buried core of everything that you are made of but didn't know was there. And what I've learned is that there's a reason motherhood as a story is so infrequently told. And here's where we all cry together. It's because for so many people, our safest, sweetest, earliest memories are of nestling in our mother's lap in her rocking warmth hearing her sing as we get milk drunk and sleepy and burrow, heavy-eyed into the crook of her soft arm. And if you knew that your mother's journey was intrinsically a hero's journey, if that was in any way an established narrative in our culture, you would have to accept that this memory of womb-like safety, this foundation upon which so much of our identity is built, was often just an illusion. You'd have to realize that while you were blissed out on your mother's lap, one of those epic battles, the kind that envelops heroes as they fight their way out of the ring of fire, was raging just above your head. No one wants to believe that in those moments you felt your most peaceful, the woman cradling you so softly was shielding you from a sword that she herself was holding. Every mother you know is in this fight with herself. The sword that hangs over her is the sword of exhaustion, of frustration, of patience run dry, a sword of indignation at how little she feels. This part struck me too. Mm -hmm. Of how little she feels like a human when she so often has to look and behave like an animal. Mostly it is the sword of rage, the rage and shock of how completely she must annihilate herself to keep her child alive. Mm -hmm. 
Ultimately, the hope of impossible delight almost always wins over the impossible torment. I know this because I am here alive writing this and you are here alive reading it, which means our mothers did what heroes do. They kept us all alive to tell our own tales one day. And what I can tell you is that so much of the heroism of motherhood is the ability to swallow the sword to swallow the pain and frustration and keep everything inside. No one wants to know that she was rocked to and sang to their 10th lullaby of the night. While that was happening, your mother was fantasizing about putting you down, walking out the door, and never coming back. A mother's heroic journey is not about how she leaves, but about how she stays. Mm-hmm. And this is so right, relatable because honestly, I torment myself over not being a good enough mother every single day. Mm-hmm. And I need to cut that out, but it's hard. I have a child who is very difficult and I feel like I'm always on him, always. And at the end of the day, I just sit there and I think back and I do, I fill his cup every day, mm-hmm. you do. but I can't help but think that how hard I am on him isn't good for him. And every day I play that. And every day I go back into that battle of being a mother and I could easily just say, I'm going to take this child and hand him off to someone else, even his dad for the day. But no, I sit there and I fight that battle because that is what is best for him right now. Yeah, He would not thrive in school right now. And it would be so much easier if I just sent him to school. And if he was a child where school was something that he could thrive in, I would put him in that. And that would also be hard because as Janelle knows, and she's going through this right now, it's hard trusting someone else with your babies and knowing Mm -hmm. exactly what to do. But Janelle's kids are ready and they're wanting to do that. They're begging. Yes. And so she's going to have to fight that intrinsic battle of, am I doing enough as a mom each day? And then I'm over here fighting a completely different battle, but it's all motherhood. All moms are fighting a battle that is as historic as another mom, but just opposite ends of the Mm -hmm. spectrum. And Jenna and I can speak on that now. Like my kids are desperate to go to school. I am no longer serving them. They are no longer serving me. Working together at home is no longer serving any of us. And now I just have to say, okay, no more family vacations, no more freedom to skip school whenever we want, no more freedom to stay in our pajamas, no more this, no more that, no more take as long at breakfast as you want, no more sleeping in (laughs) till 10. Like all that goes away because I have to do what's best for them. But that whole time I'm going to be sitting home for a month just shaking in the corner, wondering what's happening to my babies who have never been out of my sight for more than four hours. Exactly. And then the line that said, no one wants to think that their mother, Mm -hmm. that all forgiving source of limitless, unconditional love, occasionally in a fit of rage or boredom, met her limits. And I can remember a few times when my mom met her limits and I wish she was here so bad to talk to her and just pick her brain about it and know how she got through that because I've been there and I know my kids are going to remember when I've met my limits. They've seen it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I lose my cool every single day. I am stressed at some point every day. However, I love staying home with my kids. I am meant for this. Is everyone? No. However, if I was in a job that caused me this much stress and anguish and I worked this hard, (laughs) I would not be doing that job anymore. No fucking way, dude. No. So the fact that moms 
whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a stepmom or anything, we are all fighting a battle. We are all on the same side, but all of our battles and all of our journeys are different, but they are all heroic. And the fact that we're all staying is just mind-blowing because yeah. I do know moms who have walked away. Mm-hmm. I know quite a few. I do too. Or actually a lot of the times I know the children who live with grandparents because a mom walked away or lived with dad because mom walked away. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie, it, it it's appealing some days and some days it just sounds easier. So Sounds amazing yeah. some days. I joke literally, and this is terrible, but I, this is before – I joke twice a month when I go somewhere – like I will walk out the door and Josh will be like, all right, I got the kids. And I'll say, you're never going to see me again. So have a nice life. And like <laughs> yeah. everyone's screaming, everyone's pooping at my kids poop at the same time. So one's downstairs, one's upstairs, one toilet's caught. And I'm like, you'll never see me again. And I get in the car <laughs> and I leave. And that sentence that you just read was really moving to me too, because I'm sure I've mentioned, like I have an estranged relationship with my mom at this point. And part of me just never was able to put into words that she was me 30 years ago until I read this article. And she was a impeccable mother until she started having some mental health struggles. And I tell everybody like, Mm -hmm. dude, I had an idyllic childhood until my mom got sick. I think I was 10 or 11 when she started struggling with her mental health. But like, she, I still remember the smell of her perfume and her kissing me on the head when she went out for date night and how good her Aquanet smelled and how nice her fingernails looked and her saying like only one episode of MASH and then go to bed. I love you. The babysitter. Like I remember all that. And I forget that like, oh my God, my mom was still trying to like date my dad. Like I'm trying to date my husband and get a babysitter. So like my mom had to find a babysitter, find a place to go out to dinner. They didn't have the internet. Like how, how did she do all of it? And this humanizes our mothers in a way that will not make me cry because I am not PMS. (laughs) (laughs) But it humanizes our mothers because we're them now. And I remember being seven. I remember my dad turning 38, which is how old I will turn next year. It is the first year I remember him Jenna's making cry faces and she's going to make me cry and she's not allowed. But the same thing you said, like you wish your mom was here to say, Hey, I remember when you lost your cool and I fucking get it now. Like I get it. This shit is not a joke. Like you were right. Like I was probably, Mm -hmm. you were on your last nerve and I was probably being a shithead and I get it and I forgive you and it is okay. We're okay. Everyone's okay. (laughs) I think the whole other layer too is, to me, it is overwhelming. Hold on. <laughs> Losing your most- mom is not the easiest talking about no, this one. No. Um, to me, it's also overwhelming when I sit back and I realize I right now am my kid's whole world. And yes. that is yes. so overwhelming to me. And fuck, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's powerful because I can remember my mom being my whole world. Yeah. And I went through phases where she was, and then I went through phases where she wasn't. And I just can't imagine how hard it was for her with that ebb and flow relationship. Because there were yes. times where I was a jerk to her. Oh, and I was awful to her. And yeah. she didn't deserve it. And I said stuff purposely to push her buttons. Yeah. And this woman who was my world, one day I just stepped out and I have friends and I don't want to be around my mom. And then I hit 20 and all I need is my mom. Yeah. And... I think just like being a mom and just having that knowledge that your kids are going to walk away is hard. It's really Um, hard. 
It's horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> this episode is going to be awful for me. Oh. And the other thing is, I'm scared for the day when my kids do leave, whether it's go to school or go to college or whatever, because I'm scared I'm not going to know what to do with myself because right now my kids are my world and I am happy with that. I love it. That's what I yes. want right now. Yes. But I can remember also the transition from job to motherhood, like full-time job to motherhood was so hard. And I felt very, I felt like I didn't have a purpose, especially when they're a newborn. They just like play there and you don't get anything done during the day. And it's like, Ever. what am I doing with my yes. life? Like, yes. And until your kids honestly hit that sweet spot in toddlerhood, like a little older toddlerhood, and you can start doing stuff and they can start remembering stuff, it starts to get sweet. But those first probably two years, I mean, I felt like I had no purpose. And I was like, how am I going to do this for 18 plus years if we have more than one kid? And now I'm on the opposite spectrum of what am I going to do after these 18 years or when they decide to go to yeah. school? Yeah. Josh and I talk about that all the time. I'm like, what are we going to do when they're gone? And he's like, we're going to travel. We're going to do selfish shit. We're going to buy shit for ourselves. We're going to stop paying for surgeries. Like, <laughs> but it is but scary, it's scary to think. To think. One of my, like, um, what do I do? My fairy godmother, who I have a godmother and a fairy godmother, they're my two aunts who kind of stepped in as my mom got sick. My fairy godmother said to me one time, the best years of your life are when your kids are 10 and under because they are tucked safely under your wings. Mm -hmm. After that, they branch out, they make their friends, they do their thing. So she was like, your 30s are your favorite decade because your little babies mm -hmm. are tucked in under you. And then after that, they turn into like their own people and you lose control a little bit year by year. And you lose – Zach is already starting to – and he's going to be eight in a month, in a couple of weeks. He's already starting to keep things from me and keep things to oh. himself. I know. It is crushing. And I, I yesterday I was making coffee and I just stood there and hugged him and I said, I feel like you and I aren't telling each other everything anymore. And I want us to stay best friends. So if you need to talk to me and I am not receptive to you, I need you to say to me like, mom, this is important to me because you and I are disconnecting somewhere. And I think it's just the natural age progression mm -hmm. and it's hard and it's scary, but it also is something that I'm fostering because he does have to separate a little bit from me now going into this next phase of our life. He can't be as attached to me as he is and go into third right. grade. So like, yeah, I'm doing it on purpose, but also it hurts like hell to have this little mm -hmm. human that nursed on you for so long and still wants to sleep on top. He still sleeps on top of me if he's in my bed. Aww. Like he's gigantic. His yeah. feet touch my feet. He still needs me so much, but we have to move away from that because he has to be his own independent person soon. And mm -hmm. then what happens? Like what comes yeah. next? I hope that Jesse Klein will write more articles and tell me what the fuck to do when we're done with this part. That which one of Josh's friends described as the hair on fire phase, and she talks about it in the article as like this is like living in like some sort of she uses the fire reference or analogy in the article, and it is this is just a flaming moment in time that is fleeting and it is scary. But this article gave words to things that I could never put into words and gave me validation in a way that I could never understand and gave me this weird little window into my mom mm -hmm. and the forgiveness that I want to extend to her now, knowing that she was doing her best. And I kind of think every mom is doing their best. Jenna doesn't always think every mom's doing their best, but I think every mom's doing their best. <laughs> no, I do. I, I know do. you do. I know you do. Everyone's doing their best with what 
they have to offer is the thing. Like no one is intentionally saying like, I choose to say, go fuck yourself. Like people have limitations in mental health. People have limitations in resources. People have limitations in support, all of it. I have limitations in support. Mm -hmm. Now, luckily I have enough resources that we can hire some help, but it's a beautiful article. It is something that we will share a million times. And I just am so thankful to Jesse Klein and I'm or- I already ordered the book. I'm going to share the TikTok. I want to read the book too. I'll yeah, send it definitely. to you when I'm done. And it's perfect. It just, I feel so thankful that I stumbled upon this on TikTok and it was able to give me this glimpse into what the fuck is going on in my brain and put words to the torment and the annihilation of self. And I was just talking right. about this with a, mo- a girlfriend of mine that doesn't know if she wants to have kids or not. And I said, you know, it's, it's a balancing act of outsourcing or annihilation and mm-hmm. reevaluate. If, if we can have a call to action for this episode, reevaluate if you are being just fully annihilated. Jenna is happy. She is home. She's happy homeschooling. Everything is what Jenna wants. I started getting an itch and you can follow it on this yeah, podcast. Yeah. And Jenna knows it like a year ago. I was like, something is not fulfilled. And it started like slowly. And I've just opened myself up to it. I'd go to a lot of therapy. I reflect on it a lot. And then my kids started kind of rejecting the homeschool lifestyle. And it all just came because I kept my eyes and ears open. It all just came to fruition in what it should be. So now I I sent Jenna Marco Polo. I'm like, I have two jobs, by the way, now. And (laughs) I have all these things happening. My kids are going to school in August. Like, but reevaluate. You're outsourcing, you're annihilation. Are you truly happy? And we know this is a place of privilege that we come from, that you get to pick what makes you happiest. But is there one thing you can do to move that sword a little bit further away from yourself and your baby or your children or your your whatever you are in care of? If it's a baby chicken, like whatever it is that you are sacrificing yourself for. Is there one thing you can do to make things a little bit easier? And that might be a no right now, honestly. That might be a no. It was a no for us for yeah. two years. We I lived in a tiny exactly. apartment during a pandemic with kids that were getting surgery and everything was a no. We saw mm-hmm. no fucking one but you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're feeling this way, know that it will ebb and flow and you're not alone. I have struggled, like I said, with the thought that I am my kid's whole world and how much they love me and how I am their best friend. And if you want to feel great about yourself, leave for an hour and come back and see how excited your kids get oh, when I you pull into it. the driveway. Yes. But then here's the other end is that you feel the guilt because all you want is time away. All you want. And know that that is normal as a mom. And the fact that you're not fleeing and running away, taking a break, perfectly normal. But the fact that you're not leaving, and that could be physically leaving or self-harm. I know of a decent amount of moms who have taken their lives. And there's a lot of other stuff going under it, but a lot of it is mom shaming and mom bullying. Yes. Not getting help when they need help and reaching and not out asking help and for no help. help yes. Yeah. Reaching out. Yeah. The mental health system is so overwhelmed right now with uh, the mm-hmm. depression that's coming out of the pandemic that like 
you can reach yeah. out for help for six months and there's still no help for you. And right. moms are just supposed to stay home and be moms or work and be moms and just be quiet about the mom part. And this podcast is shit we're not supposed to talk about. So start talking about what is hard for you and start talking about what you are sacrificing and start talking about what you want back and mean it right. and say it and do it. And be a little bit selfish, even if you don't have the time or the energy or the extra finances, but find one thing. I bring reading back into your life, bring Mm -hmm. um, taking an hour to take a bath back into your life. Like there's so many things that I've just completely forgotten or options. And I hate the like self-care is taking a bath with a glass of wine. Like I don't buy that shit, but like Go for a walk and put your earbuds on and let your kids walk in front of you or ride their bikes in front of you. I've done that when we couldn't be around people. I've said, you guys have to stay in front of me so I can see you. I put my earbuds in. I can't hear them and I can just zone out for an hour. Right. And no, like I said, like, no, if you are tempted to leave, that is normal, but it is a sign that you need to adjust. We've all been there. I mean, I can remember thinking when I was in a deep depression, I just want to leave. Even if that's go to a institution and check myself in and get that break Mm -hmm. and figure myself out. And then I felt guilt because here my baby is and I'm their world and you're not alone. So you're not alone. Every other mother, every other mother is fighting it with you. Yes. Reach out. We're here and we will provide you with all sorts of resources and just tell it. You can just write to us. We have an anonymous page on the website, um, dumplingbytherules.com, where you can just write anonymously, I just want to leave every fucking day, but I keep showing up. Someday I might leave. I don't know, but I'm going to make it through today. You can vent on there. That website is anonymous or write to us on Instagram, and we never share anything unless you give us permission. And we want to know your thoughts on this because it hit home, obviously. If you know me, you know I don't get choked up too often. So I'm proud of you. Thank you. With that, reach out to us if you need to. We're always here. And call mm-hmm. your therapist. And take your meds. Two, three, four.